is my life. I'm done trying to convince people I'm real. Sleep. Never retreat. Welcome to the Road to the Trials podcast, where we take an insider's look into the training and racing of some of America's best runners as they prepare for the Olympic trials in June. And I am so excited to talk to Abe Alvarado today because he just finished up the Drake Relays, just like we had uh, Frank Lara on here just a few days ago for the same type of conversation. It's always so much fun to talk to Abe, and he's feeling really good about where he's progressing. And it's, it's exciting to talk to somebody who's feeling good and whose legs are really kind of catapulting them to where they want to go. This podcast is presented by Koros. I love this wash brand so much. I've been wearing them for years. I'm just such a big fan, not only of like the 30-day battery life, 30-day battery life on my watch, uh, and it still is that way, years after I purchased it, which is absolutely amazing, but you don't have to trust me even though, hey, you should. Right? I'm, I'm an honest broker here. But if you don't want to trust me, you can, hey, trust, trust Des London. She wore Coros for her 50K world record. And hey, if she's going to trust them, then you absolutely know that you can as well. If you use code trials over at coros.com, that's C-O-R-O-S.com, use code trials. You're going to get a little swag bag of free goodies at checkout. So let's get into it with Abe Alvarado. Abe, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to chat. So we uh, just a couple days ago had a chance to talk to Frank after his Drake Relays experience. I mean, I'm excited to talk to you as well. It seemed like, well, you had a first of all, you had a busier week because you had a two race situation going on um, for people who didn't listen to your preview episode. Let them know kind of what uh, what races you did and when they were. So, yes, this past weekend, we headed out to Des Moines, Iowa, and I raced the mile, the USA Championship Road Mile, on Wednesday and came back Saturday to race the 1500 at Drake Relays. All right. The road mile was interesting because it's like road mile in quotes. (laughs) It does start on a road and there's quite a few turns. And then the last 600 meters is actually on the track. So uh, it's kind of a unique situation. Um, We talked a little bit about this before, but what was your experience like before this with doing road miles? Had you done any? Yes, I had actually done two. So um, I had some experience. Um, I know a lot of other athletes have done a lot more. Um, There there used to be a, a USA series, like a little circuit, I think, a mile circuit. Um, But I think they stopped it last year because of the virus um so i feel like they should bring that back because it gives um, us middle distance athletes um you know more road races to yeah um but yeah no it was it was good um i i always like road miles um this one was unique because how you said it starts on the road but it ends on the track um but yeah it was it was fun it was an interesting. It was a, it was a fun watch. Um, I love I loved watching it, and my goodness, was it exciting in terms of how it played out? Jeff, is it is it Theus or Thies? Because they said both pronunciations during the broadcast. I know a guy who has that last name, and he pronounces it Thies. So I wasn't sure. Yeah, I think it's Thies. Yeah. Okay, so he he takes off. <laughs> First of all, it's a loaded field. He is like, it looks like he's a hundred meters ahead. 
like within a quarter mile like what what was the actual distance because it looked obscene at first yeah no i think he had a like a th- three second lead on the field which is gnarly you know for for 400 meters and i think he got up to having a five second lead at the 800 mark so yeah he was he was moving um it i think everyone didn't know what was going on everyone was like <laughs> what is he doing but you know props to him for having a game plan and going with it um it's i think it's pretty hard to try to pull away like that in any road distance um but yeah i think he came through in 54 55 through 400 which is very fast yeah on the broadcast they actually quoted it as 53 they're like, oh boy, 53 second. Qu- I don't know if it was right. You know what I mean? It's just like just lines on the road. They're trying to like, you know, calibrate it as they go. Um, and then when you guys came into the, we'll, we'll talk about the whole race in a second. But when you guys came into the track, that's when they were able to kind of like pan out to see the actual distance. And it was like, he was still like 50 meters up. Yeah, no, like I said, I, I think it caught everyone off guard. Um, I think everyone was more conservative. And just kind of let him go. And like I said, it, it's hard to do that. And so he, you know, he felt it once we hit the track and he kind of came back to us. But yeah, no, I mean, it takes guts to do that. So I guess that's <laughs> props to him. For sure. I mean, we've talked about a number of your 800 meter races. And I think all of them went out slower than your road mile went out. Yeah, some of them <laughs> did. Is- yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, no, it, it, to put in perspective, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, I I didn't know what was going on. I, I, I felt the pace being fast because, like I said, it took me a while to get in the rhythm. Um, but I just I, – I felt bad that day. And so um, that didn't help, right? <laughs> Knowing – I didn't know how fast we were running because, like I said, we're on the road. Um, but it made sense why I – it took me longer to find a rhythm just because, like I said um, – Jeff went out in 54, um, which is, I think it's not really ever done that way, but yeah, that's exciting. I, um, so I'm watching it just like everybody else. So you see like the, the turns. So it looks like it's like a one man race because people are like a turn behind him. So it's just like, it's just Jeff on the video broadcast, um, which is so funny to watch as your, basically just chasing after him trying to figure out like, am I going too slow here? Or is this guy just running a, a, like an unbelievably, you know, distinct race plan. Um, as you're progressing through it, are you just like focused on Jeff or are you just, are you, you know, coming to the point really you're kind of looking around you like, okay, this is who I'm going to stay with. Uh, or are you more focused on the, the rabbit in front of you at that point? Um, so like I said, I had a, a, a slower start and my positioning wasn't the greatest. Like I like to be um, closer to the front, but it just, like I said, I, my start was slower than usual. Um, but yeah, when at the halfway point, I'm like, I know Jeff, I could see him from a distance, but at that point it was kind of like, okay, um, I'm still with the pack. Um, there's good runners in this pack. So I'm just going to focus on that. Right. Like I wasn't going to be the one to, try to chase them down. Um, I was just at that point, it just became like, okay, um, when these guys move, that's when I'll move. Um, Cause everyone there was, you know, was experienced. Um, and so, yeah, I just kind of played my cards um, based on the people I had around me. 
Right. So then you come into the you come into the stadium. You got roughly six hundred meters uh, from when you you come into the stadium, kind of go around the cones, and you're kind of on the on on the turn there. Um, and then it seemed like a very like methodical. I guess it was like a the closing of the gap was very like methodical, right? It wasn't like we're kind of catching up and then boom, we overtake him. It was just like step, step, like, you know, um, and then he slowly came back to the field. Um, when that was happening, cause it's kind of hard to judge a little bit, right? Cause not like everyone has trackers on. It's not like a, like, I, I kind of wish that you, it was almost like a NASCAR race where everyone had a tracker on so you could see the speeds of people like, wait, is that person speeding up or is that person slowing down? You know, it's kind of hard to tell. So as he was coming back, was it more of him kind of, you know, if you're going to go out in 54, like you're obviously not going to be able to maintain it. So it was a hit, kind of him coming back or did you guys start to speed up once you entered the stadium? Um, I think it was both. Um, I know the, the, the guy that won closed in the 55. Um, and I think Jeff closed in, 64 65 um so you could tell right because he had a gap like he said coming into the track um and that gap was quickly closed um so it was just both the factor of you know the top guys closing harder and jeff slowing down but yeah no it was (laughs) like i said it was it was it was an interesting race for sure and then you you finished really strong uh coming down the last hundred meters you really um you know came on strong from the middle of the pack there uh you mentioned before that you didn't feel great in the beginning did you just kind of fight through it like it's not obviously not the longest race in the world right you're there for you know for you exactly four minutes long uh is it just a matter of dealing with that uncomfortability or do you actually start to feel better as you go so like i i had kind of chat with you um yeah no i you know i was doing strides and i'm usually you know, when I start doing strides, my body knows that it's time to get loose and, you know, get ready to, to race. But it was just odd. Um, never really happened to me, but I just couldn't find the rhythm. Um, and I couldn't feel my right glute firing. Um, but it's just one of those things where you're there already. The, they're not going to stop the race just for you. Um, and so it was just one of those things where it was like, okay, I don't feel the greatest, but I know I'm fit. Um, and so, yeah, as as the race unfolded. Um, it was just kind of like taking it step by step. And just, like I said, once we hit the track, I think if I would have been feeling good, I would have gone a little earlier. Um, just cause I, I know I'm strong, but, um, I didn't want to make the mistake I did last year of, you know, going too early. Um, and so I just kind of tried to stay relaxed as much as I could and, um, just stay in the mix. And with 200 to go, I tried to make the move with, with the top guys and they just had a step or two ahead of me. Um, and it's kind of hard to, you know, when, when you all have the same closing speed, um, it's all about positioning. Um, and so at that point I just tried to, yeah, just place as, as high as I could. Um, but yeah, I was, I was happy with, with my closing, you know, this year, as opposed to last year, last year, um, I, I was the one being hunted. Um, and it sucked. Um, but, <laughs> This year was better in the sense of, you know, I was able to kind of come from the back and place higher. And in that situation, so you're, you're chasing Eric Avila and Craig Engels and you, you can't quite get there. Um, in that situation, what's it like just from a mentality standpoint to 
Um, make sure that you keep pushing in terms of like your place in relation to the people who are like either side by side with you or maybe a step behind you where you're not discouraged from getting up with those guys and letting that next guy overtake you, right? Like we've all seen those videos of like Steve Prefontaine, you know, he's, you know, gets kind of out, he gets out leaned and he finishes fourth in that iconic race. And we've seen this, this sort of thing and happened in so many races, right? Where it's easy to kind of let up because you're not quite where you want to be and you don't, you know, you don't you know push it all the way in for, for understandable reasons. That didn't happen to you this time. Is that a learned behavior or how do you go about making sure that last 20 meters isn't something that you regret after the fact? Yeah, no. So it's definitely something you practice. Um, I, my coaches, my dad have been on my ear about um, just finishing the race, right? Um, like going until I cross the finish line and not slowing down or um, how you said, uh, getting discouraged if people are passing you. Because, um, at, at you know, at the same time, it's, I think it's just good sportsmanship just to, to, you know, give it your all, whether you're getting passed or you're in the front. Um, and, you know, some of these races, um, for, for those that don't know, there's prize money. And so it, it matters, right, whether you're fourth, you know, trying to get third or, like sometimes there's a big gap too, and and on, on money you could be missing out on. And I, it's funny because I'm sure it's like not necessarily the top of mind thing. It reminds me of like, okay, not that every sport is the same as other sports, but it reminds me of like a golf tournament where like someone's on 18, they finish their round, they're not like they're not in the top 10, they got like a little putt to finish the tournament, and they kind of miss it, and then they tap in. Right. But like that putt might have just cost him thirty thousand dollars. So now they're like 14th instead of 15th or you know, or, or the reverse of that. Now they're 15th instead of 14th. And all of a sudden they're like, that was the last shot of tournament. I didn't win. Who cares? Like, well, it did it cost you some money. So it's not like it didn't matter. Um, but obviously it wasn't, you know, t- the top of mind thing in the, in the moment necessarily. Yeah. And and just to kind of add on that, um, it, it's. It's it's also good practice um, to you know finish a race because um, once you get to the championship races right where it's like top three move on or top three and the three best times um, it matters right what 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 your time is and your placement and so um, yeah it just it's good practice for, the, for those kind of um, championship races for sure now you had you know another the fifteen hundred was it two days later. Uh, it was on Saturday, so yeah. Yes, do, do it. So two days later, um, tell tell me about that turnaround because obviously there are certain there's plenty of meets where someone's running the, the eight or the fifteen hundred where you're going to have heats and you know you'll have like kind of a, a kind of a similar setup where you're running that same event a couple times over the course of a weekend. I guess the the difference here is that it not being a heat, it's kind of like you know everyone's going all out. There's no, there's no, like, again, it'd be, you please correct me here if I'm wrong, but there's no, um, no saving something for later, right? These are two distinct events. They are not correlated. You don't need to do well in one to do well in the other. So what's that like in terms of, was there any difference with like a heat setup um, in this situation or was it pretty, pretty much the same? No, it was pretty much the same. Um, it was, it was um, most of the athletes that ran the mile came back around 1500. So the, the only difference was that, the weather was warmer. Um, Wednesday, it was super cold. But I guess another difference, too, um, with the 1500 is that 
there was a pacer. So it kind of helps have a more honest race, right? Because there's you can have the pacer do the work. I guess you had a pacer in the road mile, but he was like too far out. Yeah, no. I just... <laughs> so talk to me about the 1500. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to watch it live and I couldn't get, there was no like on the Drake Relay site. I got all the runner space stuff. There was, I couldn't find a rebroadcast. I couldn't find the race after the fact. So I'm, I'm flying blind here a little bit. I didn't get to see it live. And again, I, I have all the subscriptions. It's no, I can't, it's nowhere to be found, at least for me. And I spent a lot of time looking for it, like a shocking amount of time yesterday looking for this sucker. Um, so walk us through it a little bit. So the 1500, um, like I said, it, it was, it was a warmer day. Um, the thing two days before I went and saw a chiropractor there and, um, that helped a lot to kind of get my glutes to start firing again. Um, so, uh, we went into this just kind of with the mindset of racing again. Um, there was rumors that the pacer was going to go out, you know, in, in, in a fast pace. Um, I, I heard that they wanted him to go through in 220 for the 1K, which is pretty fast. Uh, I think that that's like 330 pace. Um, so we're like, okay, well, if that happens, we're going to be there. But it obviously didn't. Um, the pacer go, coming into 800, um, the guys at the front kind of slowed down. Um, and at that point, um, it just kind of became tactical. Um, but like I said, I positioned myself, you know, top three. Um, I was at the front within striking distance the whole time. And then coming into 400, I found myself in second chasing a Canadian athlete. And then with 200 to go, it was just a three-man race. Uh, me, Clayne Murphy, and the Canadian athlete. And yeah, it just I ended up finishing third. Um, we all ran 339, but um, came out, you know, I learned a lot. Um, just, just little things, right? Just that uh, once we fine-tune and we don't want to play all our cards right now. Um, so... I think I'm in a good spot heading into these next few races in May and the trials. So, yeah, we we've talked that like the last couple episodes of things are going. You know, it seems like each time we talk the last three times, you've been really happy with how things are progressing. And here you are. You just had a great weekend with the mile-ish distance, like at the 1600, the 1500. And you're running with some of the best people in the country. You're right there with them. You're showing your every bit um, their caliber. Are you at the point now where you're going to try to do a double with the 800 and 1500 at the trials? I think it. There's still we we still have a few races left to kind of know what we're going to do. Right. Um, obviously, if if I'm close to the standard in both, um, then why not? Right. Give myself two shots at the Olympic team. But if um, I'm running way better in one, you know, compared to the other, then obviously we might take that route just to kind of save the legs and put all our eggs in that basket. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think we'll know once we get closer to the trials, what we'll, we'll, we'll do. What's your inclination right now? Do you have, you know, I mean, it's, it's hard not to think about the future, right? So when you're projecting forward and how you're feeling and how you're competing, do you have an inkling or are you still kind of in we'll see mode? Um, I'm in, I'm in we'll see mode just because um, I've, I've always done the 800, right? That's kind of like my background. That's what I've 
ran um, in the past. Um, but obviously, as of last year and this year, I'm, I'm, I've been getting more comfortable with the 1500. And we've been training with more strength um, with that in mind. So we'll see. We'll see once we get closer. And there's a difference too, right? Because when you're running the 1500 in a race that doesn't have a rabbit, those races aren't a whole lot different than the 800. Because you see a lot of these races go out, and I know you know this as well as anybody, but even I know this, <laughs> is that a lot of these races, you'll watch them without a rabbit, and the first 400s in like 67 seconds, which to put that in perspective is what Elliot Kipchoge runs for a marathon. Again, he's the best marathoner ever, but it's obviously something that you guys can handle no problem for 600 to even 800 meters. And all of a sudden it just turns into like an 800 meter race with just like a running start. Yeah, no, for sure. I think, um, I, I personally, I haven't really been in, in those slow tactical 1500s, but it'll definitely play in my favor if it's slow like that and tactical. Right. I mean, I think that the, the best example recently was the was was with Centro, right? When he won the gold, that's what it basically was like a 600 meter race. Yeah. Yeah. I think they went out in like 68 in the first 400 meters and like people were like four wide at the front. Yeah, no, that race, that race was wild. I don't I don't know if, if it'll ever happen like that just because, yeah, I feel like there's athletes now that just go from the go. Right. Like a lot of those Kenyans. Um, so, but yeah, no, that was crazy to watch. And even in other distances, right? Like even Mo Farah was just ripping through the Diamond League. I feel like you can watch any old Diamond League race and they say the same thing at the beginning of every broadcast. They're like, okay, the contenders are going to want to go out hard so that Mo Farah can't come back in the last like 800 meters and take the race because you know he's going to be sitting in the back waiting to do it. And then inevitably the same thing always happens. No one goes out hard. There isn't like uh, these are races without a rabbit. So maybe it wasn't time league. No one goes out hard. Mo Farah is literally in the back just jogging it out and then comes up and, and wins it. And it was funny. So everyone in the race, all the commentators, everyone in the stands, they all know the best way of doing it. But on some level, it requires a sacrificial lamb to go do it. And no one's like, oh, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll be the sacrificial lamb, even though I'm not getting paid to be the rabbit. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I'll be interested to see um, how the trials play out and who decides to run what. But I think, um, yeah, I think we'll know once we get closer. But yeah, no, I think I'll be ready. I'll be ready for whatever, if it's fast or slow. I believe it. So now that you not now that both are firmly on the table as potential options or doing both, does that change the training at all, or is training for the eight hundred and fifteen hundred meters really similar? It's it's very similar, um, but I, I don't think it it changes much for me at least. I think my my coaches have been very smart, um, and what they've been having me do so far, right? Um, I think um, I've been doing more strength than speed. Um, just to kind of have a good base leading into the, um, the summer, um, they're expecting me to race, um, potentially all the way till September. Um, so when they scheduled my training, they had everything in mind, right? Um, so at least for me, I think it, um, once we get closer to, you know, the trials, um, I think I'll start fine, I'll start fine tuning things. And I think running a little more speed um, just because I'll have a good strong base by then. Um, so that's kind of like their approach with me. All right. So what's coming up next? You've been racing so much. You've been racing more than anybody else in 
the roster of this podcast. So it feels like almost every weekend you're doing something. So what's up next for you? So for me, next week, we head out to California to run Mount Sac. Um, I don't know if I'm going to run the eight or the 1500 there yet. I think I'll find out next week based on um, what race seems the the better option. Um, And then we'll stay there in California and run the 1500 the following week at the sound running meet. So yeah, that's, that's next on schedule for me. Um, two meets in California going home. Yeah. I'm excited. The sound running meet that one. I think we're gonna have a, uh, that seems like there's gonna have a ton of people there. I know a lot of people who are on this show are going to be there as well. Um, hold on a second. (laughs) You have this huge water bottle. Does that something that you normally do? The huge water bottle move? What, what, what's going on with that? Um, I think it's like, I, I, it's kind of between me, us and the camera. So it looks like it's like 10 times bigger than your head. Is this like the normal hydration model? I mean, that's that's what I'm trying to do, right? I, I don't really drink much water, but um, I'm, I'm trying to just because I know um, hydration is important. Um, but my girlfriend, she's uh, been trying to get us both to drink more water. So she'll get these fancy pH waters um, with electrolytes. Um so yeah, it it makes it look cool drinking water. So it kind of <laughs> incentivizes you to drink it. That's funny. We should we should mention if people haven't heard this before. Uh, your girlfriend is on her own road at the trials. Uh, who's she's she's an exceptional eight hundred meter runner as well, and uh, is really doing big things herself. So obviously not the worst person to take advice from, uh, as 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 we have have seen. Um, so. I got into this whole conversation with Tyler last week as someone who's like, this is his first year being a pro. It's like, all right, what's the nutrition like for you? Has it changed at all from your senior year NAU? And he's like, uh, not really. And we kind of walked through it. And it was it, a lot of people liked that, 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 um, that segment of the show. They thought it was, you know, Tyler's just an engaging guy. And they thought it was kind of funny how we talked about it. For you, um, what is your nutrition like? Obviously, it's you have on very different running schedules than Tyler, right? He's you know, when he's healthy and he's pretty much there now, he's training for the 10K, which is a completely different mileage setup than what you're doing. Obviously, you're probably doing much more strength stuff than he is for understandable reasons. Um, so from a nutrition standpoint, what how do you focus or what do you focus on and how has that evolved since, say, you left BYU? So it's changed in, a, in the sense that I, I'm the one doing uh, most of the cooking now at BYU. Um, we had these um, prepaid meal cards and, you know, we could use them anywhere in, in, on campus. And so I was eating campus food, um, Monday through Friday and they had good options, but it's, it's not the same as you, right. Prepping your own food. So yeah, now I, I feel like I have a, a good bo- uh, balanced diet. Um, I try to eat a, a lot of, you know, vegetables and low fat, proteins um but yeah no i if if i'm ever craving something i i eat it right i don't i don't really i'm not really that strict when it comes to stuff like that um but i feel like i said good balanced diets it's it's the best and it works well for me right so do you have to or have you ever tracked what you're eating and worked with a dietitian in that way or is it kind of just more like you figured out what works for you and just go with it yeah, I just figured out what works for me. I'm not I'm not all about counting calories and keeping track. I never do that. I feel like that's 
at least for me personally, that's a little too extreme, right? I don't want to, um, same with my weight, right? Like I don't, I don't focus on that. Um, I'm not like, oh, I need to weigh this much to, no, I'm just, yeah, like I said, I, if whatever I'm craving, I'll, I'll eat that. I'm not, uh, but I think I do a good job of, like I said, I, I know what, what works for me and what makes me feel good and, and healthy and, and clean, right? Um, sometimes my body doesn't um, do well with meals that are processed or have um, more fat than others. Like I couldn't eat McDonald's, right? I just feel bad after eating that, but like I could eat Chick-fil-A and be fine. There you go. Shots fired on the fast food front. I like it. All right. So if you were going to have a, you, you kind of eat what you're craving to a degree. Um, and you seems like you're pretty dialed in nutrition wise where you're like, I crave a Big Mac at every meal or something like that. Right. So if you were though going to go with like a craving for a food that wasn't clean, right? So the other end of the spectrum, is there kind of a certain favorite food of yours that like, you know, you can't be eating like at every meal, but when the time is right, that like, you really look forward to? Yeah, um, I would say maybe uh, barbecue food, like ribs and stuff, um, mac and cheese, um, that kind of stuff. Uh, at least, yeah, the ribs. Um, there's, there's a food truck that comes to our complex. It's really good, but I know it, it seems like he comes the day before we have hard workouts. And so it, <laughs> it, it's hard to, you know, we always miss it because it's like, why couldn't you come the day before, come tomorrow after our hard workout? But yeah, the other day we're like, you know, screw it. We were craving it. We have a hard workout tomorrow, but we'll be fine. And we had it and we were fine. But I was going to say, I heard, I heard it was a test. I heard Jay Holder is actually driving the truck and he's just testing your willpower. <laughs> no, no. I, the, yeah, the food truck that comes here is it's really good barbecue food and the ribs are really good. There you go. All right. A best of luck trip back to California, going home for some races uh, and certainly some high level competition as well. Best of luck to you and safe travels. Sweet. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Abe, thank you so much for coming on this show. Also, big shout out to our presenting sponsor, Koros, next week. So the plan is to just get some of our ladies on the pod over the next week or so. That's Kira D'Amato, Olivia Baker, <laughs> Kira D'Amato, Olivia Baker, and Dana Giordano. That's it. I don't know how I <laughs> messed that up so bad. Uh, either way. Dave, keep that in, just so people know that, hey, this is what happens sometimes when I'm recording these intros and outros. Um, I'm excited to get them on. I know Olivia's been dealing with a little bit of a hiccup from an injury perspective, and you heard, or maybe you heard, Kira talk about that a couple of weeks ago as well. And Dana's over in camp. She's at uh, Altitude Camp. want to see how that's going for her. So stay tuned for more of these over the next week or so, and happy running. This has been a production of the Rambling Runner Podcast Network. Thank you to my producer, David Margetti, from InPost Media. Also, thank you to Metapi for the music and his song, Evolution.